Tonight we're looking at the final lesson in Jonah. So we're going to be having a look at um, Jonah chapter 4. And there's been um, a series um, that's been running over the nights about Jonah. And uh, so tonight, um, uh, yeah, we're going to have a look at how God refines Jonah in Jonah chapter 4. And um, I can relate with Jonah. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. He didn't want to go to the people of Nineveh. And I'm a little bit of a reluctant speaker. I'm not too um, confident when it comes to speaking, but thank you for that last song. Amanda Christ is enough for me. I'm going to remember that as I'm talking. And um, just trust that God will do the rest. But um, just to recap what's happened so far in Jonah, um, God commanded Jonah to go to the Ninevites. They were um, part of the Assyrian Empire and at the time the Assyrians were oppressing and starting their um, oppression of the Israelite people. So basically the Assyrians were the um, enemies of the Israelites. And God said to Jonah, um, a cry has come up before me about Nineveh. There's suffering going on there. I want you to go there and I want you to tell the Ninevites that um, they need to repent and turn from their ways and that I'm going to destroy their city. And Jonah very reluctantly said, no, thank you, God, and he deliberately disobeyed God. He turned and he headed for a place called Tarshish, jumped on a boat, and the boat sailed away, and God sent a storm, and they threw Jonah into the water because Jonah knew that it was because he had disobeyed God. And as he was falling in the water, God saved Jonah. God sent a fish that swallowed Jonah, and um, Jonah was in the fish for three days, and then God sent the fish over towards Nineveh and it vomited Jonah up onto the beach and Jonah headed towards Nineveh on his journey and he finally obeyed God. And um, we pick it up right at the end here. Jonah said to the Ninevites for 40 days, he marched around the city and he said, if you don't turn um, from your ways, basically he didn't even say that actually, he said in 40 days God is going to destroy this city. And the people listened. Jonah was actually a very successful, the rare case of a very successful prophet who went somewhere and the people in that city listened to him. And the king, these weren't Israelite people. God wasn't their God. But the king listened and he said, well, if God says this is going to happen, we need to repent and we need to actually turn from our ways. So he told the people to pray. And as a result, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. So Jonah should have felt pretty happy about what he had done and pretty happy about this situation. But his response is very different to what we would expect. And we're just going to have a look at that now. We'll have a look at the start of Jonah. Chapter 4, we're going to read from verse 1 to 5, if you want to follow along. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee, Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So I think there was a bit of pride there in Jonah that he told the city it would be destroyed and here he is being proved wrong. They've repented and God has shown compassion and Jonah is not impressed about this city being shown compassion. Now, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, a movie or a film called The Grinch 
But there's a scene from that movie that just kind of reminds me of perhaps the attitude that Jonah might have had as he sat outside that city and waited to see if God was still going to destroy it. So let's just have a look at that now. But our sound, sound person just walked in. <laughs> we might want to rewind it. Thanks, James. Sorry, I didn't give you the heads up. It was very early on in the sermon. <laughs> so, whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood outside his cave, hating the cool. Alphabetically. I bark you, African Asian who? I hate you! Arabi Benson who? I hate you! Hate, 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 hate. Double hate. Load entirely. I think that's a pretty good picture of what Jonah was like as he was sitting outside the city and as he was waiting for God to, um, well, God had already uh, forgiven them, but Jonah was obviously still waiting for a bit of action. He was still hopeful. We can have the lights on now. He was still hopeful, I think, that um, something was going to happen and he would be proved right. But I'd like for us to, um, yeah, just look at two problems with Jonah, Jonah's attitude. We can see he did have a bit of an attitude problem, and tonight we're going to look at two of them. The first one is that Jonah didn't love with compassion. And the second is that Jonah didn't want mercy and forgiveness for others. Um, in looking at Jonah, I'd like for us to look um, at the first one, Jonah didn't love with compassion. As we look at that, I'd like to compare Jonah to a different prophet in the Bible. This was Jeremiah. Now, unfortunately, Jeremiah was not as successful as Jonah. Jeremiah wasn't like Jonah in that Jonah had to go to a people that weren't the Israelites. Jonah was sent outside of the Israelite people to the Assyrians. Jeremiah, however, he was sent to the Israelite people and Jeremiah was um, given a message. His message was meant to be to the people, turn and repent, you're rebelling against God, you're not following God's laws. Um, and it was similar in terms of that there, there's suffering going on, there's orphans who aren't being looked after, there are widows who aren't being looked after. So Jeremiah's uh, message was like that for the people. But Jeremiah was very different in his attitude. He had the compassionate heart of God for the Israelites. And this is a painting here by um, the artist Rembrandt. And you can see there Jeremiah, he's in a cave, so I'm, I'm assuming that Rembrandt was um, painting him when he was imprisoned. He was imprisoned by King Zedekiah before the Babylonian Empire invaded. And, um, and his eyes are really downcast in this picture, and that's how Jeremiah felt. And um, I've just taken a little passage out of the uh, book of Jeremiah, it's Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 21 to 9, verse 2. And, it's, and Jeremiah says, Since my people are crushed, I am crushed. I mourn and horror grips me. We can really hear that he just feels torn apart with grief for his people. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears. I would weep day and night for the slain of my people. 
Oh, that I had in the desert a lodging place for travellers, so that I might leave my people and go away from them, for they are all adulterers, a crowd of unfaithful people. And later on in that passage, he talks about calling all the wailing women to come together. In those days, they would pay women at a funeral to wail. And I think that would have been a very confronting sight to see these women just kind of congregated outside where this person had died. And he says, call the wailing women together, confront us, so that we feel grief about what we have done and about our rebellion against God. So Jeremiah was really moved by what God had told him to tell the Israelites. But Jonah, on the other hand, he says this to God when God shows compassion on the people who repent as a result of his message. He says, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I am so angry that I, that I want to die. So Jonah didn't see the um, Ninevites with the eyes of God. He held on to his prejudice. In his eyes, they were different. They didn't deserve love. They didn't deserve the compassion and mercy that the Israelites deserved. And I know that I can relate to Jonah because I can think of many times where I, not, I haven't desired that people would die, <laughs> but there's been times where I've made these quick snap judgments about others or have, without even realising, failed to see others through the eyes of Jesus with the same compassion and love, recognising that they too need the love of God. And sometimes it just even happens to me. I know it happened to me just I was just on holidays. And um, I saw this person and straight away I thought, oh, they're a grumpy person. <laughs> didn't even know them. Just looked at them and thought they were a grumpy person. I made this snatch, snap judgment without realising, oh, you know, God loves them. He's created them. They're, they're important in his sight. And um, for me to write that person off and to say, well, I don't think, you know, I think this about that person isn't right. I can think of another example for myself when I was in high school. Um, I became a Christian when I was in year eight and um, I was really passionate, so passionate about God and I tried to really love my friends and be a good witness to my friends but um, I felt like a bit, I felt a bit isolated at my school. I was uh, one of a few Christians in my grade. There was about 200 students in that grade and um, and I was, yeah, just a bit fearful of others and what they thought of me. And I felt like if I let people get close, they might reject me because of my faith. Um, so I kind of wrote those people off and I thought, oh, I don't have time for them. They're immature. I wish they'd just grow up. Um, and that was, that was my own pride coming out there. And so as a result, I didn't have the humility to love like Christ, to know that by just being friendly and open to others, I could have been showing them the greatest witness um, and just like Jonah, my world was focused on myself. With Jonah, he didn't see the bigger picture. Thousands, hundreds of thousands of people being saved, turning to God. He just saw his own angry disappointment. Now, just to contrast that, my younger sister, um, who's about mm, four years younger than I am, she's a little bit lower down in the grace, um, she made a different decision. And when she was in year 11 and year 12, she decided that she was going to just not worry about what anyone thought about her. She was just going to try and love people and show care, care and concern for others. And um, God did a great thing amongst her grade. There were a few Christians in her grade and they all just tried to love the people around them. And um, she was inviting friends to youth group. People were coming to youth group. She was getting to know other people that she didn't know prior to that. And as a result, her group became known as the God Group 
in, in the school, and this is a public school, um, but they started to make friends with, uh, it was a really nice community sense um, in, in, within, you know, that grade. It wasn't like the God group was over there and they were separate. They were very much a part of what uh, things that happened. Um, my sister was the school captain, so I suppose she had a bit of a place of honour and people respected her. Um, but I just see that her attitude was so different to my attitude because she chose to love. So, how much do we reflect the love that our Father has for others? How much do we reflect that in our thoughts, in our snap judgments, in the way we relate to others? How quick are we to be offended by others or to think well, unwell of others, to write others off or to think, oh, they're that kind of person? How quick are we to presume to know the thoughts and motivations of other people? So that's the first point. Jonah didn't want, uh, sorry, Jonah didn't love with compassion. And the second point, the second problem with Jonah's attitude is Jonah didn't want forgiveness or mercy for others. So just to recap what happened to Jonah and his experience of mercy. Jonah didn't believe that the Ninevites were worthy, but he saw that he was worthy of God's love and mercy. And the irony is that Jonah willingly disobeyed God. He willingly walked away from what God wanted him to do. And God showed Jonah mercy. Rather than Jonah drowning in the ocean, God sent the big fish to swallow Jonah up. And in the belly of the whale, Jonah repented and he realised, you know, God, I'm sorry that I've done this. Um, but that didn't change the way that he saw Nineveh. And he didn't, he didn't really look at the Ninevites and think, well, they don't actually know any better because they don't know God. He didn't think that they deserved the mercy of God as well. Um, now, we might not be quite as strong in our hatred and unforgiveness um, as maybe we saw in the Grinch there, but how often are we like Jonah, forgetting the cross and what Christ went through for us and holding on to anger and bitterness towards others? Um, and that's what unforgiveness is. Jonah felt this unforgiveness towards the Ninevite people for what they were doing to the Israelites. Now, unforgiveness can be as small as a tiny bit of resentment a little chip on our shoulder that affects how we treat others. We no longer talk to someone or can look at someone in the eye because of what they said. Unforgiveness can be as trivial as we always bring up that thing, that person, that husband, that mother, that teacher, that friend did. They let us down in some way and we haven't let, it, let us go. And sometimes unforgiveness, we can feel like it benefits us because it can give us that little bit of leverage against that person. We feel like we've got the upper hand. Now, just to give you a little example of a bit of resentment from my life. I don't know if you remember from last time I spoke, it was a long time ago, but um, we got a little puppy dog. Um, it's, his name is Buddy, so that's when he was a puppy and now he's big and fully grown. But um, Buddy was my husband's, uh, Luke's idea. He loved, he loves pets, loves dogs. I'm not really an animal person. Um, but he, his idea was to get this dog so that our son could grow up with a pet, an animal, and Jaden, our, our son, absolutely loves Buddy. It's been a very good um, investment for us as a family. Oh, he's a beautiful dog as well. But um, in the beginning, training a puppy is not a very fun business. And in the beginning, it was really hard work, and he would bark at night, and he would, um, you know, need to be fed. His poo would be all over the yard, which still is, but anyway. <laughs> he would need to go for walks. Um, jumping was a problem. We had to try and tra- train him not to jump. He was a bit, he's a bit cheeky, this dog, these kinds of dogs are. And um, so pulling him into line and helping him to know his boss, that took a little while. 
But in the beginning, I blamed every little problem with Buddy on Luke at night time if it was late at night. Go and shut your dog up. You know, go and feed your dog. Oh, your dog. I would be constantly badgering Luke and blaming him. And actually, that was destructive for our relationship because it caused friction between us. And here was poor Luke, even though I had agreed to have the dog. He was poor Luke, feeling like he was on his own. And, um, and so I was holding on to that resentment. So there's an example of a tiny little trivial thing where resentment can actually cause problems in a relationship. Um, but then they can be more serious. Um, things that hurt us and and more serious things that happen where we need to forgive. Um, and that can be a really hard thing. And I have to say, I don't feel like I'm a person who has had to forgive much in my life, but I do know other people who have been through very difficult hardship. And um, I look at them and I see the choice that they make to forgive and I see that because they're making that choice, they're choosing not to let that hurt eat away at them. They're choosing not to let that hurt rule their life. And forgiveness allows them to move on from what pain they've experienced and it allows them to um, yeah, to, to move on from Satan because bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness is the bait of Satan. It gives him a foothold in our life. It allows them to move on from him and to um, embrace God. And there's a reason God wants us to, to forgive it's in our best interest. And of course, I just want to say as well with forgiveness that it is important to set boundaries with people who keep hurting us. Forgiveness doesn't mean repeatedly exposing ourselves to hurt, but it does mean asking God to help us let go of the anger, the bitterness, the pain, the resentment we feel towards someone. And I have had times where I've had to forgive and, and sometimes it's been hard and, you know, you just feel that real, um, I don't know how to describe the emotion, but you feel that emotion really strong. And um, and my own experience is that when I just say to God, Lord, take this hatred and this anger away from me, it doesn't happen straight away, but the more that I pray it, the more God takes it away. And pretty soon I can look at that person and I don't feel the same, I don't know, it's almost like a wall goes up. I don't feel that wall going up when I look at that person. Okay, so those are those two points about Jonah. So what did God do? Well, God provided a lesson for Jonah. Throughout the story, God provided a lot for Jonah. He provided the storm to turn Jonah around, the whale to give Jonah a second chance to obey, and in teaching Jonah his lesson about his love for Nineveh, God provided Jonah with a vine, a worm, and a wind. So let's look at that part in Jonah chapter 4, verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. Very dramatic, Jonah. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do, he said. I am angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, but you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about this great city? Now the lessons God gives us aren't always easy and God roasts Jonah out to teach him about his love 
for his people, his right to show compassion. It's like God is giving Jonah the proverbial slap over the head and asking him, don't you get it? What right have you to be angry about my compassion about the vine? You didn't even make the vine and yet you're upset that it was destroyed. You feel you have the right to be angry about that. Just as you feel you have the right to be angry about this city. What's more, you feel you have the right to be angry about my compassion. The very compassion I used to save you. Yet again, you are concerned with yourself and your own comfort. But I, the Lord your God, who brought you here for these people, showing compassion to you despite your disobedience, I made this city of people. They are part of my creation. Look beyond yourself, Jonah. Have compassion beyond yourself. Don't I have the right to save it? Shouldn't I want to save it? The lesson for Jonah is this. In his mercy, God provides a scorching lesson. The lesson is God loves the world, not just the people of Israel. God's mercy and love is for others not just for Jonah. And we know that from John 3, verse 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It tells us the good news that the compassion of God is open to anyone who will believe and repent, even in this Old Testament Testament story to those barbaric Assyrians, the Ninevites. Now for Jonah, we hope that his journey was a life-transforming lesson. We hope that he was eventually transformed by the knowledge of the mercy and compassion God showed him through the whale, though he knowingly disobeyed God. And we hope that he realised that he was as undeserving as the Ninevites of God's love and that they too were his creation and in as much need of the compassion of God. For us, what does it mean for us? Well, experiencing forgiveness at the cross should be the greatest life-transforming lesson that we experience. We, like Jonah, are saved from the storm of death and we have a message of hope for others. At the cross, we find that we are in as much need of forgiveness as those who hurt us. We are in as much need of love and compassion. We need to let our relationship with Christ transform the way we see others. We need to let it transform the way we love. Let it transform the way we forgive. As we connect with who Christ is and as we read passages like the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, we find Jesus asking us to do radical things like giving our enemies the coats off our back and turning the other cheek, to be merciful and meek, to be blessed when we are persecuted, to let our light shine before men, to love radically and to show compassion radically. And as we looked to the example of Christ at the cross, similar to the story of Jonah, it's another place just out of town where we find him. But Jesus wasn't hot or bothered by some heat and wind waiting for this city to be destroyed. He was being unmercifully crucified. Not just for that city, but for the world. And while those Jews those Pharisees who vehemently despised Jesus with petty jealousy stood watching, arms folded smugly, and while that crowd gloated, shouting out, Crucify him! And while others played a game of chance to see who would get the clothes off his back, while the rulers sneered at him and soldiers mock him, we read in Luke that Jesus' words on the cross were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
Father, forgive them. Forgive those Jews. Forgive those soldiers who are laughing at me and telling, telling me to get down off this cross. Isn't that the heart of God, the compassionate heart of God? Just like in Jonah, when God said to Jonah, these people don't know their right hand from their left. Jesus said at the cross, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What a huge act we have to follow if we're going to show the love of Christ. We see in Jonah that God loved the world. And we too, like Jonah, need to be transformed to love the world. We need to love and forgive like Christ. And I know that's not an easy thing to say. And I know it's easier said than done, especially forgiveness. Forgiveness is so hard. If you have been through real difficult hardship, I know forgiveness is a daily um, battle. I'm sure it is for some people here. But we have Jesus to help us. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit to catch us in our thoughts and to tell us, no, you're not, you're not seeing that person the way that I see that person. And today I'd just like to pray. Let's just pray together and ask God to help each one of us to love like Christ and to, um, instead of being like Jonah, to be like Christ and to live like Christ in the way we love others. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jonah, Lord, and I thank you for how he shows up our own human nature, Lord, that we are so quick to uh, dismiss others, Lord. It's in our human nature not to want to show mercy or compassion to others, Lord, and we admit that we need you. But, Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus and for his radical love for others. We thank you for the forgiveness that he showed at the cross, Lord, when he was ready to forgive every single person who hurt him and put him on that cross, Lord. And I just pray that as we come to know you, Lord, as we draw closer to you, I pray that our experience of you would transform the way that we see other people. And that our experience of you would transform us so that we are ready to forgive, Lord. I just want to pray for anyone here tonight, Lord, that's struggling with unforgiveness and anger. They're angry about, about that person, Lord, that hurt them. Lord, I just ask now that you would help that person to surrender that anger to you. I thank you, Jesus, that you promised to take that away. I thank you that um, our yoke is easy with you, Lord, that you carry our burdens. And Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would help each one of us to show the forgiveness that you have shown us, to love like Christ. And Lord, as we do that, I just pray that our community would be so impacted by the love that they see, the radical love that they see, Lord, in each one of us. And we ask that in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.